what the Lord has done for us on the cross. Now, a lot of times when things aren't going right, we don't realize that we are at war and some precious saints are not loading up their spiritual guns with the Holy Ghost bullets and putting the enemy to flight. The believer has spiritual and practical weapons that can change our life, our church, our home, and our marriage. That victory was won for us at Calvary. But the war for possession of the kingdom rages on. Satan has been legally defeated, but he remains as a legal squatter on much of what is ours by right. So we must load up in Jesus' name and dispossess the evil one's illegal entry into our God-given victory. We know that the cross is the only basis of God's provision for every need of the entire human race. <coughs> in Revelation 2, John admonished, admonished the church in Ephesus to remember from where they had fallen and to repent. As believers who walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we should never forget what God has brought us out of and what he has already accomplished through the blood of Jesus. Jesus lets us identify the influences of witchcraft and to learn how to appropriate the power of the cross to overcome these influences. In Revelation 2, the Lord said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the presence of God. It also says in, in the power, in midst of paradise of God, which is being in his presence. Each of us are mature Christians, but there are always things that the enemy will try to throw at us, especially in our families. The Lord also told Moses in Deuteronomy 30 that I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil to love God, keep his commandments, and the Lord your God will bless you. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Every day we make choices. We know with all the things that are going on, even with wars around us and everything else, we have to stand firm in following Jesus Christ and claiming every single day what he did for us on the cross. That's what he's trying to tell us. The greatest battle every person fights is the battle within. And our greatest need is deliverance from ourselves. Every person makes choices. 
which determined the course of our lives. As far back as Moses, people have been given two choices as we were reading here in Deuteronomy, life or death. When we choose death, knowingly or unknowingly, we open ourselves up to an attack from the evil one. If we choose life, God takes us on a road that begins with the salvation, which all of us are saved, runs through the cross and ends in eternity with the Father. Paul says it well, this, this struggle with his greatest enemy, and that is in Romans 7. Um, uh, there's a lot of scriptures, so I'm reading most of them to you. In Romans 7, verse 22 to 25. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Throughout this whole, whole uh, talk that we're talking about, we're encouraged to always go back to the basics is the cross. What Jesus Christ did for us and he set us free. Paul's greatest struggle was not against Satan, it was against himself. His flesh gave him more fits than Satan. When we live by the flesh, we partner with Satan and counteract God's plan for our lives. Sin doesn't reside in our physical bodies. It resides in our sinful nature, resident with our person. Who can deliver us from our own sinful nature? Thanks be to God. We have a way out, and it's always through the cross of Christ. That's why he always tells us, it's no longer us that lives, but Christ, because Ourselves are dead, are dead on that cross. And we have to claim what was done on that cross all the time. The word flesh takes on a wide range of definitions in the New Testament, including the physical body. But when Paul uses it in this context, he is referring to the old Adamic, unregenerate, rebellious, carnal nature. He literally calls it the old man. When we come to Christ, God creates us into new people. So in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. But before that new creation, we remain the old or former man. The flesh, then, is that place within that influences us to sin. We are new creations. No matter how long we've been with the Lord, we're still his new creation. And every single day, even you know yourself, when you come into church even today, 
with the way the roads were with the icy and everything. Who got you here? The Lord. You're his people. He knows that it's no longer you even driving. It's Christ. Hallelujah. In us driving and being in that car. Glory to God. Glory to God. That even if a car comes, tries to hit you, it just would has to miss you. Glory to God. Because of the blood of the Lamb and what he did for us already. And we know that. We know that. There are many tendencies that cause a struggle in us. Any motivation that centers on feeding or promoting oneself is from the flesh. For the most part, people respond to one of two self-motivators. The first motivator is an unhealthy self-image. We have to think about what we think about ourselves. Are we condemning ourselves all the time? Are we upset with ourselves all the time? That's what he's trying to tell us. People with an unhealthy self-image tell themselves, I'm nothing, I'm a nobody, I'll never amount to anything. Such self-depreciating feelings are not the result of an inferiority complex. They resolve, they arise out of a self complex a self-complex are we always worrying about what people think about us we know they're the ones that are not Christian don't like the Christian but we can't let that make us judge ourselves in the wrong way we've got to realize that we've got to realize that you know and when you especially now when we just got through the holidays you see a lot of relatives that are not saved and a lot of them they're thinking crazy things about you you know but we cannot let that make us feel that way we have to remember that there's no virtue in that without Christ we can do nothing but with Christ we can do anything that's, we know this one over and over in Philippians 4, can do everything through him who gives me strength. Hallelujah. And we've got to watch out for the pride. People who struggle with pride wrongly believe I can do all things, but not necessarily through Christ. We cannot get away from who we are in Christ, what Christ has done for us every day. He is strong in us if we will allow him to be. There are things that come up in our lives that make us condemn ourselves. Like I know I do it. I, I'm, this is really a lot for me too, you know, with all the things attacking my body. And I say, look, what other places there to attack now? What, what's going on? You know, what I do now? What I do? You know, that's what he's trying to say. We can do all things. Interesting enough, the focus once again is on self. See, not on Christ. There's no virtue in that. Virtue in that. The power of God is made perfect in our weakness, not in our strength. It's when we are weak that the power of God is strong. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
You know, a lot of time uh, we feel inferior. It, it arises from an uncrucified self. It could be, still be a part of us that is not crucified. And we have to pray. That's why he tells us all the time. The key to dealing with the flesh lies in the battle for control of self. The self is that part of us that decides whether or not to accede to our fleshly sinful desires. Self has an insatiable appetite and has two telltale identifying phrases, I want and give me. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, Lord God. You know, I mean, we have adult children, but don't you still hear that? I want this, I want that, you know, and give it to me. There's a lot of jealousies in, within families, you know, and, and we know. I think the biggest thing that I hear and I see and know, even in our fam families, because a lot of, you know, the children are married and everything, is words. Words that are coming against us from sometimes your own families, your own married children or something, you know. They get a little jealous of each other. Maybe jealous that they think you're a little more for the brother or sister than for them or whatever it is. But that's what the Lord is saying. Crucify that self that rises up in us. We pray. When you don't know what's going on, pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. The key to de dealing with the flesh lies in the battle for the control of self. The self is that part of us that decides whether or not to accede to our fleshly sinful desires. Self has a really big appetite. Hallelujah. Always, like we said, wants to say, give me. I want the money. Give me the best seat. Give me the biggest piece of pie. <laughs> self is fine, a fond of talking about his two favorite people, I and me. <laughs> I and me all the time, right? So what's going to happen to me? Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, you're going there. Well, what about us? Uh-huh. Why aren't we invited? Hallelujah. Believers who do so haven't learned to bring themselves to the cross. And Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. You've got to be mindful of that. He says to do nothing out of selfish ambition. We sometimes are doing the right things for the wrong reasons, and we need to stop. Either our motivation needs to change, or if possible, we need to step away from the responsibilities that draw attention to ourselves until we can fulfill those responsibilities for the right reasons. Hallelujah. So self has to be crucified. Would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 2? And we're going to read in there verse 20. Galatians <coughs> chapter 2. We're going to read verse 20. Hallelujah. I am crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I know that all of us know this over and over again, that Jesus Christ died for us. You can't fill the fullness of God's will until we allow the cross to put the iron knee to death on the cross. When Jesus died on that cross, so did the iron knee in us die. We've got to realize that. Because more and more, more and more, you see so many things are happening, splitting up families. It's a shame, and shouldn't be, that even before children are married and they leave home, sometimes there are some families that you don't even know that that child, even though they're an adult, don't keep in touch with you because you're a Christian. Didn't like you bringing them up as Christian. That's a shame, but sometimes that does happen, and we have to realize that. That's when we pray in the Spirit for them. Amen. Claim the cross for them and that they will come to realize that Jesus Christ did die for them. And it is no longer them that lives, but Jesus Christ. Glory to God. He tells us we are crucified with Christ. And this keeps hitting me. I don't know why. I guess I deserve it, see? Crucify no, no. <laughs> that, right? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. We may be delivered from control of flesh, but the responsibility of crucifying it still lies with us. Dying to self means refusing to pursue our passion and our desires. All of you really are mature Christians, and that's why... You know yourself that if there's a day that you're not in that word, you're not being reminded of who you are in Christ. Every day, even if it's one paragraph, and later on even more, the word, the word, the word is so important. Even though we have to realize that Paul still battles his flesh, in his divine wisdom, God creates us anew after we come to Christ. But he doesn't remove our sinful nature. That's always going to try and pop up. That's what the Lord is telling us. So if you turn to Galatians 5, we're going to see the list there in Galatians 5. We're going to look in verses 16 to 26. Now, this is a list. It's a list, let me tell you. We're going to read from verses 16, we said, to 26, okay? Okay, everybody got that? This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Now we think that's easy, but it's not really that easy. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. This, uh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you are led of the spirit, you are not under the law. We're really under the liberty of the Lord. That's what he's trying to tell us. Now, here's the list. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. We all know what adultery is, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. That means unbridled lust, idolatry. We know what witchcraft is, hatred. Variance means disguise. Emulations mean jealousy. Wrath we know is anger and strife. Seditions are divisions. Heresies like witchcraft. And we know that um, witchcraft is the Greek. In the Greek is pharmakia which means we know through the drugs back then there weren't as many as today but today there is a majority of the use of drugs you know sometimes even when it's given uh, you're given a prescription for something uh, that you do really need we're going to have to be very careful to see what it can do to our mind sometimes too to pray, pray and pray over your uh, any prescriptions you have to take too. That's very important. Uh, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings are unbridled merrymaking and such like. Because what they're talking about there is when you have those kind of revelings that usually takes in uh, alcohol and overuse of alcohol, you know? That's what he's speaking of. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, you're saved. We know that it's not for you, but it's for all, how we could pray for others. Even though they're saved, we have to uh, think about the temptations when they are under attack, what do they turn to? Do they turn to the Lord? Do they turn to the Word? Or do they turn to something that is not of God? This is what he's trying to tell us here in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is what should be working in all of us every day of our lives, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, no conflict, in other words. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. 
So the, uh, the note on that provoking is saying, envying others for what we dare not do. Christians must be on guard against some temptations. We have to be alert. You know, even the people that you work with and everything, a lot of things with their looks, their thoughts, their words. Be aware the Lord will give you in the check in your spirit when there are words coming against you and how you can come against that. Because otherwise, it's going to try to wear you down. The battle we fight daily is in the senses. You know, eat, feel, touch, but the spirit, the Holy Spirit must rule in us. That's, that's the very important thing that we have to remember. Hallelujah. The thing that's the remedy for the flesh. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And when that enemy tries to get us to think or be fleshly, we got to kill him. That's it. You just got to kill him and tell him the price was paid for already on the cross, that our flesh is crucified. Execution is the only remedy for our old man. In fact, our evidence for belonging to Christ is the crucifixion of our flesh. As we die to ourselves, our flesh begins to decrease and the Spirit of God within us begins to increase. Hallelujah. The flesh and the Spirit are enemies. See, the, I believe, and I think you see it sometimes yourself, the more you're in the Holy Spirit, the more the attacks are. It can be from within our own families after us or whatever, or what the words are. It could be from your in-loves. I don't want to say in-laws. Your in-loves, you know. You never, never know. But it is. There are words that can try, you know, to uh, make us fight back in the flesh we never move over that line of the blood we are mature Christians and we have to get after our own flesh when it tries to rise that's what we have to remember the flesh and spirit are enemies they work in opposition to one another for the flesh Lust it sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Hallelujah. And uh, we read this already now, what we, we were reading, right? Yeah. Okay. Glory to God. Uh, when we are controlled by the flesh, our sins and desires, we cannot live a life that is pleasing to God. So would you, oh no, you don't have to turn, I'll read it to you. And so that it says in Romans 8, 8, they are, that are in the flesh, cannot please God. Cannot please God. 
sometimes when the attacks get pretty bad, you just figure, well, no, I'm going to please myself this time. <laughs> I'm not going to do it God's way. But that's when we have to realize that enemy is trying to get us to do this. It's not God. We can't blame God for what our flesh does. We've got to remember that it was taken to the cross already. Glory to God. We still cannot please God and the, uh, like the Pharise uh, when the, we do like the Pharisees for praying and tithing. They tithed for the wrong reasons. Their prayers and gifts were given to draw attention to themselves. You see, because we know not any of us do that, but there are some, um, you know, people who've been Christians a long time and they brag and they brag and they brag about what they give to the Lord and that is not what he says we do. We give to him because he tells us that's what we to do and we do it lovingly and willfully. Praise God. If we want to live in Christ, the responsibility of putting to death the deeds of the flesh belongs to us. Glory to God. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Christ made it possible for us to die to self, but the responsibility lies with us. So this is not a condemning message. Please don't think that we have a condemning message. We're just trying to tell you how, and you know, that the devil can be so subtle when he comes against us, and he sure does. Now, Jesus, Jesus said in Luke 9, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his very self? Lose our very self that is saved and following the Lord. We can gain prestige and power even in the Christian world and yet in the end damage or destroy our lives. Jesus prefaced his question with a clarion call. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Daily, daily. We have to take up that cross. Remember what Jesus accomplished on that cross for us. You can't follow Jesus until you deny yourself. Self doesn't want to go where Jesus is going. Self wants to avoid the pain of crucifixion. Oh my God. But that's true. It's true. A lot of times it's very hard to do the Christ-like thing. But our God will always show us the rewards of doing things the way he does and those words that come against us are rendered powerless denying myself means saying no to what I want and to what I feel 
saying no to what I think I deserve. Remember that. Remember that. That's what the Lord is saying. The act of taking up, taking up one's cross has been defined as reaching the place where my will and God's will intersect and choosing God's will over our own. Every person reaches this point at some time in his life. Jesus' will crossed with God's will in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night of his betrayal, Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Then he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. That was in Luke 22, 42. Jesus could have backed out of the cross and said, let man go to hell. I don't want to do it. He did not have to die for us. He could have stayed in heaven. He could have said, I don't need this. But he did it out of his submission to the Father. Every day we submit to God the Father. Doing things the Lord's way. The point of intercession between God's will and our will means different things to different people. Some people play with lustful thoughts. Others may cheat on their taxes or find it difficult to admit when they are wrong. It would be impossible to list all the ways that self rears its ugly head. But suffice to say, dying to self boils down to a willingness to prefer others above ourselves. The physical body in itself isn't sinful. When God created it, what did he do from the very beginning in Genesis? He said we look good. That's what we have to remember. The problem isn't with the physical body. It's within the sinful nature. And we are delivered from a lot of sin. The first uh, would you turn with me to Romans 6, verse 14? <coughs> Romans 6, verse 14. Hallelujah. Okay. We got that? For sin shall not have any dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. We're under grace when we come to Jesus. The power that causes us to sin gives way to the power to resist sin. Because we are born in sin before we came to Christ, we could not prevent sinning. However, because of Jesus' work on the cross, we have the power to overcome sin. We no longer have to sin. We're free to serve God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that is when we're pleasing him that we will hear the Father speak to us. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Have you heard that recently? I'm sure you have. Because I know you do follow the Lord. 
people look at the lives of some Christians and say, I don't want to be a Christian because then I won't be able to do what I want. That's the self-talking. Because of Christ, we can respond. Because I'm a Christian, I don't have to do what my desires tell me to do. It doesn't matter how long you're with the Lord. There'll always be a desire to retaliate or to do something that's in the flesh. And we have to remember who Christ in us is. And um, let's see, I would like to quote from Mark 10 and verses 42 to 45. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over others, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So maybe when you think that you are overdoing being nice to some people who are not nice to you, you're still doing what God wants you to do. Because that's what he did for us. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. We have to be Christ-like. The path to authority and leadership in the church lies in servanthood. Jesus, God clothed in human flesh, that's who he is, entered our world the first time, not to be served, but to serve. Hallelujah. If you want a promotion in the kingdom, the way up is down. <laughs> oh, Lord. But that's not so in this present evil age. The world tells us, get there first, get the most. He who dies with the most toys wins. You know. <laughs> we are told by some... That financial independence is the goal. That way we won't have to work for anyone else. Such a statement really says we won't have to serve anyone else. In the kingdom of God is the opposite. If you want to live, you die. If you want to get, you give. If you want to go up, you go down. It's the rule by which the kingdom of God operates. Unfortunately, so few want to serve and so many want to be served. This is the essence of pride. Uh, now we are getting to our other one that you could turn to 2 Corinthians 4. Hallelujah. And we are going to read there, verse 5 in 2 Corinthians 4. All right. And we're going to read verse 5. Okay. Okay. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord 
and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. We are the servants. Christ is Jesus. He is Lord. Hallelujah. He is the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what we're going to have to remember. When we walk in freedom from self-promotion, we give God ample opportunity to promote us in this His time. When we promote ourselves, we wrest the control of God's blessings from Him and ultimately from ourselves. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very few are not willing to admit that they're not perfect. By becoming defensive without weaknesses, we cut ourselves off from God's needs of molding us and forming us into the men and women God wants us to be. It's a great mockery of the church when the believers fight one another, trying to prove each other wrong. Often the doctrine of the two sides is not the issue. Each side is trying to save faith. We shouldn't be fighting about the rapture or the millennium or dozens of other points of conflict within the body. The only thing we should be fighting for is a glorious church. We'll find out soon enough who missed the rapture. The only thing worth fighting for is that we are a glorious church prepared for our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And our enemy is not another believer. Our enemy is Satan. So we have to watch our words. We have to remember that we have been crucified with Christ. Self has to bend down. We know that each of you, like I said, are, are always, always doing what God has given you to do. But a lot of times in our own uh, families, things come up that attack us because that's the way the enemy works. He tries to get you in a way of things that are closest to you, intimate things, and make you forget who you are in Christ. He would love to get you angry. And we see that. We see that. Even when I know, uh, like I said all the time, when I realize when there's an attack on the body again, Marie is like a mother to me. She does say, Ma, you know, you know, that you don't deserve that, you know. Because I say, Lord, show me what I do, you know. But we know, we know, it's true. We do know that our Lord is mightier than any attack that we have to remember that we know without a doubt he died for us on the cross and we could claim it claim it for any kind of thing that is attacking us and our families and we always win because we die to self and we crucify everything that's attacking us 
take it to the cross. Glory to God. Jesus Christ won, and so do we Amen. with him. In Jesus' name.